It's not every day that the musicians of the Israel Philharmonic Orchestra perform a special private birthday concert from the stage of the Charles Bronfman Auditorium in Tel Aviv. But if you are Charles Bronfman and it's your 90th birthday last Sunday, and you've got your name on the building because you were the main donor when the Cultural Centre was renovated, then you get music from Schubert and Brahms and Balloons and surprise video greetings from Zubin Mehta, Itzhak Perlman and the new incoming president of the State of Israel, Isaac Herzog. Bronfman is a Canadian billionaire and philanthropist, and he watched the concert from the U.S. where he celebrated his 90th birthday with his extended family as part of a four-day celebration. If you haven't heard of Charles Bronfman, you might have heard of Birthright. That's the program that gives free trips to Israel for Jewish young people. He's the co-founder. His family is Jewish-Canadian aristocracy. His father Sam founded the Seagram Liquor Empire, where Charles worked for decades, until the Montreal Expos baseball team came to Canada in the late 1960s and Charles dove in full-time as their owner. Like his father, Charles has been a Jewish community leader at home, in the U.S., and for Israel. His late brother Edgar was the World Jewish Congress president. Although Charles' goal with the birthright trips is to help young Jews fall in love with Israel and feel good about being Jewish, he's aware that the rise in anti-Semitism now is making it hard for young Jews to do that and he doesn't see things improving for the time being. And he blames the spike in anti-Semitism partly on the former president of the United States. One of the people I can blame for this whole mess is Donald Trump. Now, where does Donald Trump come to Jews? Donald Trump is something that is so heinous that it's, it's beyond description. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Wednesday, June 30th, 2021. Welcome to the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. For his 70th birthday, Charles Bronfman's children established the Charles Bronfman Prize, which is awarded to humanitarians who are making the world a better place. For his 85th, he wrote a book about his life called Distilled, together with Toronto journalist Howard Green. For his 90th, Bronfman says it's been a quieter event, just family and close friends enjoying being together, while he keeps an eye on his major new project, which is bringing Israeli Jewish teens and diaspora Jewish teens closer together, one by one. Coming up, Charles Bronfman will be here with an in-depth look at his venture called the Jewish Peoplehood Alliance, plus his views on Israeli politics, the impact of Donald Trump on Jew hatred, the Habs, and how negotiations are going to bring a baseball team back to Montreal. But first, here's what's making news in Canada right now. A Canadian woman whose daughter lives on the first floor of that partially collapsed condo in Surfside, Florida, says people should donate to a new GoFundMe campaign to help the victims. Joanne Diamond Brecker grew up in Montreal. She now lives in New York, and her daughter Annabelle was luckily not inside Suite 101 of the Champlain Tower South Building at the time it collapsed. But the young woman has set up the donation page now to help mourners. Annabelle's goal is $25,000 U.S. So far, they've raised $21,000 and change. 
In Calgary, the Jewish Federation has awarded its community COVID resilience awards. Nearly a dozen local organizations won for helping the city's Jewish community get through the pandemic. The Federation's CEO, Adam Silver, announced the winners Monday night during the annual meeting. The winners include Calgary's Jewish Academy, the JCC, the Hever Kadisha, Beth Tzedek Synagogue, and Camp BB Reback, just to name a few. And Charles Brompton joins me now from New York City, where he's been staying during the pandemic, waiting until the quarantine rules ease before he pays a visit to his native Montreal. The last several big birthdays, there's always been a project or, for example, your book came out um, or this, uh, you know, a new project in January for the uh, Israel um, to get to know the diaspora kids and the diaspora Jews. That was your last big project. So is that still uh, the thing for your 90th or is there something new that your family are doing? I think I'm through this project. That's, that's going to be the last one. How is and that going? Been, and tell, tell us a bit more about what, what your involvement is. It's going better than we'd hoped, actually. We have some new uh, financiers who are involved. Uh, the new president, the incoming president of Israel, Isaac Herzog, is very taken with it. Uh, we believe that uh, Nachman Shai, the minister at Asper Ferry, used to be the Jewish agency. Nachman is very interested. Uh, the education department in Israel is interested. We have some federations in North America who have been uh, participated in our one-to-one program. We have a whole school set up that's going to get into effect in September. So it's starting. It's starting. It has a long, long way to go. I won't be alive when it's really, really popular. But, you know, as, as, as said in the Bible or wherever it said, uh, you, you got to start, you got to do it. And uh, you can't complete it, but you got to get it going. Why do you think that this is important to to create these ties? I mean, we have Shin Shinim and there's Shlichim and there's, the, of course, Birthright comes the other way where there's a lot of Mifgashim going. So, I mean, why why particularly this this way to do the sort of a, um, like you said, one-to-one? Why is that necessary? We, we believe, and we have a lot of research to back it up, that Israelis and North Americans really don't know each other as people. We know each other as Israel, the defender of the Jewish people and the defender of Israel. We know the diaspora as people who either love Israel or embarrassed by Israel, the younger generation. Uh, But we don't know each other as people. For instance, the birthright uh, participants get to Israel. They meet the people from the army, from the IDF, and they're amazed. These are not people with horns on their head. These are not people who like to shoot people. These are people their own age, love the same music, love the same kind of stuff, love to dance, love to have a good time, and hate what they're doing. The Israelis, on the other hand, find that these are not just rich, if you pardon the expression, Americans, but these are real human beings, and that there is a Jewish life outside of Israel. Now, that's what we want to do. We, I believe solely and totally and 100% that there is one Jewish people. And unless we come to grips with that, we're going to fade away. People might be worried about the potential for the Israeli kids to want to move to the diaspora instead of staying in Israel, right? And, and sort of diluting the population there. 
That's not your worry? That's not your goal? Hasn't, hasn't happened. I, I know many Israelis, and I know many of their uh, youngsters. They go into the IDF. They are so proud of themselves. They love their country. They really, they love their country more than Canadians love Canada. I can tell you that. And I would imagine that uh, because the school system our systems uh, will be involved and kids in the school will be involved, that will increase even the, uh, the uh, uh, participation in birthright. Now, I know Canada didn't have any this spring because of COVID. I know the states started up again with birthright, as far as I can tell. Yes. But yes. Um, there was a, a seminar, I'm not sure you were aware of it, June the 6th here in Canada. It was obviously on Zoom by um, Canadian Friends of Peace Now, and it was called Beyond Birthright. Are you aware of that movement? Yes. So uh, what are your thoughts about the uh, expanding the, the narrative? for people who, as you said, are embarrassed by Israel? Well, I don't know if it's birthright that should be doing it. I don't think so. I think birthright is in its own business and does a heck of a good job. If others want to take up from what birthright has been doing, God bless them. But we, we, are, not, we are not shills for Israel. Our business is to I can't say convert, but to assure Jews that being Jewish is cool, that being part of the Jewish people is good, and that having an emotional attachment to Israel is fine. Now, we're not going beyond that because it's worked so well. If others want to go beyond that, God bless. You were mentioning earlier that... Um there are some people in the diaspora, young people who are embarrassed by Israel. Why is Israel having such a hard time, in your opinion, with public relations at the moment? And are some of these embarrassments a bit justified, too? Well, I remember my dear friend, Martin Indyk, when he was ambassador to Israel. <laughs> he said, look, and people were bitching and moaning about the Hasbara. And he said, look, you put a guy on a tank with a machine gun pointed at a kid walking along the street. Game over. What happened was, when I was young, Israel was David. The Arabs were Goliath. As of 1982, with the first incursion into Lebanon, Israel started to and then eventually did become Goliath. And the Arabs, Palestinians particularly, became David. So there was a huge turnaround. And I think that people not have misunderstood, but they, they immediately say that Israelis, Jews are like the uh, South Africans and so on. Now, I will admit, and it breaks my heart, that Arab citizens in Israel, in my view, are not first-class citizens. And I think there's only one kind of citizenship, and that is first-class. The occupation, we don't like the occupation. Nobody wants to be an occupier. But why is it? Because there's no peace. Because the Arabs and the Palestinians have been offered three very good deals, very good deals. 
and you can build on those deals. But Arafat turned it down, Abbas turned it down, and now what are you going to do? What you, the status quo is untenable, but peace is elusive. You need to have, in my opinion, two leaders like Sadat and Begin, like uh, Rabin and uh, uh, King of Jordan, uh, who are committed to peace and are brave enough and courageous enough to see it through. That does not yet exist on either side. Certainly Abbas is not going to be a peacemaker. And he's almost as old as I am. Here in Canada, just last week on the University of Western Ontario Muslim Students Association, I don't know if you saw, they called for all Zionist narrative to be banned from campus. This is the stuff that Canadian kids are dealing with as well. I'm sure it's happening in the States as well. So what what can you do uh, about this problem, which is is the fact that being Jewish is not cool in Canada anymore for that age kid? Well, Canada is not cool in the United States. Look, we have a very, very difficult road to hold over the next few years. The only way that it's going to stop uh, being intimidating towards us is if there are moves towards peace. The status quo will be awful. And I think that what happened in the, uh, in the Gaza situation recently, it really let the genie out of the bottle. The genie was in the bottle. And one of the people I can blame for this whole mess is Donald Trump. Now, where is Donald Trump come to Jews? Donald Trump is something that is so heinous that it's, it's beyond description. We all have prejudice inside ourselves. You do, I do, we dislike certain things, but there are layers of civility that have built, been built up over the generations to stop us from being hostile. And all of a sudden, Donald Trump comes along and says, the word hate is fine. You hate, you wanna hate somebody, hate. So all of a sudden, he took all those layers of civility and boom away. So now people are free to hate. Terrible. So I have to ask, are you a Habs fan still or are you now the Mets or the Rangers or whatever? I'm always a Habs fan, but I tell you the truth, I've been away from Montreal for so long that I don't even know the players anymore. Did you, are you watching though? Are you watching the games to see if they go all the no, way? No, no. Uh, I, I get it all from Stephen and Sam. Stephen, my son, and Sam, my grandson. So I live vicariously through them. All right. Uh, you mentioned Stephen. So let's talk about that. How are the uh, uh, negotiations going to bring a team back to, a, a baseball team back to Montreal? Oh, you have to ask Stephen. I, seriously. I do not interfere in that. Are you for it? Of course I'm for it. I'm for it if the economics work out. The economics are getting a little bit crazier every day, but uh, apparently he claims that they have uh, a good financial team. So that's fortunately it's no longer my problem. All right. Look, it was a pleasure to talk to you again. And thanks a lot for doing this. Happy birthday. I'm sure people told you I'd may have a stream. So 
I don't know. What does that mean to you? Do you well, want to- I, I figure that 119, I renegotiate. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> Take care. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. That's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. You can watch my full-length interview with Charles Bronfman on the CJN's YouTube channel. Today's listener shout-out goes to all of you who've been listening to the CJN Daily since we launched May 3rd. I'm thrilled to announce that we've reached over 50,000 listens this week to date, which is pretty amazing. So thank you for sharing your time with me. And we'll close today's episode with a bit more from Charles Bronfman's birthday concert, Forehand's version of Brahms' Hungarian Dance Number no. 5. <laughs>